Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about an upset win and a look forward to Atlanta. Just a programming note, The Juice on the Cuse can now be found on the SNY.TV Syracuse podcast feed. This will be the feed where you get this show every week, along with some other great Syracuse audio content in the future. Please click on the link in the player or below the player to subscribe to the new feed. The current Juice on the Cuse individual feed will soon be removed, so if you already subscribed there, you must resubscribe to the SNY.TV Syracuse podcast feed. Same show, different channel. This show will be posted on the site, same site as always. This is for current and hopefully future subscribers. Remember, click on the link or search iTunes for the SNY.TV Syracuse podcast feed. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Jim Stick-Schulte, and our guest today is Matt Winklejohn from The Sting Daily at RamblinRec.com. Matt, pleasure to have you on this podcast. Hey, Wes. I'm happy to be with you. Uh, Matt, I just want to get you started on this one. The Jackets losing to BYU 38-20 over the weekend. Looked like the defense struggled early, offense struggles throughout. What's going on with this team right now? Well, I mean, the defense has been a little more consistent uh, this year than the offense. Uh, in that BYU game, though, it just came down to the fact uh, Brigham Young threw the ball way more than Georgia Tech thought they were going to throw the ball going in, and it took a while for the Jackets to adjust on defense. I mean, uh, BYU was one of the 15 top rushing teams in the nation, and then the quarterback hits his first eight passes. They had more than 300 yards of offense in the first half, but uh, not even 100 in the second half. So they figured it out there. On offense, uh, Georgia Tech's had problems galore really all season. You couldn't see them in the first three games, which were all wins because of the inferior opponents. But uh, quarterback saw, uh, badly doesn't run the option as well as Paul Johnson needs his option to be run. And so consequently, freshman Justin Thomas has played a little more. He played some against Brigham Young, and he, he really struggles to throw the ball. He's quick. So they've got all kinds of inconsistencies on the offensive line of scrimmage, too. They had like seven false starts against Brigham Young, and you can't win when you're starting out one and first and 15, you know, every other drive. Just a, 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 a long list of errors out there in, in Provo. So you guys have dropped three in a row now after starting the season 3-0. and is, is there a panic among the fan base now? Do you look at Syracuse as a must-win situation? Well, Syracuse is a must-win situation because – uh, Georgia Tech is 3-3 three and three and become bowl eligible. They have to win three more games against FBS opponents, and they've only got five more games against FBS opponents because Alabama A&M won't help them 
that's a, a, one of their last games. Winning that game won't help Tech become bowl eligible. So the Jackets have to win three of their five other games, and Clemson and Georgia are two of them. Uh, and I, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a whole lot of Georgia Tech fans that think this team's going to beat Clemson at Clemson hmm. or beat Georgia here, which has been a, a real tall order for the last 15 years, which means Tech probably has to beat Syracuse, Pitt, and Virginia consecutively in the next three weeks to maintain their bowl streak. So this is a must-win game. I don't know if panic really is the right word to describe the fan base, but head coach Paul Johnson's in his sixth year now. The first two years were tremendous successes. Um, the last three plus been kind of eh, up, eh. and I'd say there are some people that want to see more production, more wins, uh, and, and the nuances of his stylized offense are, are kind of wearing off. I mean, it's a run-heavy offense. Obviously, the Jackets struggle every year, even in those good seasons, to throw the ball. But this year, it's been all the more obvious. So, a perfect segue into my next question. You guys are sixth in the nation. 290.3 yards per game on the ground. Tell us a little bit more. Preview that rushing attack for Syracuse fans who are unfamiliar with the Georgia Tech program. Well, it'll look strange from the beginning just in the formation. The base formation, and Paul Johnson has added some formations this year, a little bit of shotgun stuff and diamond and everything, but the base formation, the primary formation, has just one back in the backfield, a fullback who's in a three-point stance, and his helmet literally will be about two yards behind the quarterback's butt. And then there'll be two wide outs, um, and typically a wing back on either side of uh, the line of scrimmage. Often, most plays, in fact, one of those wing backs will go in motion right to left or left to right. And they, they run that fullback up the middle a lot. They run a lot of option with the fullback. Sometimes they option with one of those wide backs. They call them A backs. Um, and the idea is when the offense is working well, um, that eventually the defense sneaks that second safety forward and everybody's coming forward on defense and coming forward and boom, they'll play action and throw the deep ball. But they haven't succeeded much with the deep ball this year. They don't have Demarius Thomas, who's with the Broncos and Peyton Manning now, catching those balls anymore. They don't have Stephen Hill, who's with the Jets now, catching those balls anymore. They entered the season with one wide receiver with who had ever caught a ball at the college rank. At the college level, that's Darren Waller. He was suspended the first game and really hasn't gotten into a groove. So there's an imbalance in this offense, and neither quarterback is running it especially well. Matt, we'll get you out of here on this one. Your predictions for this Saturday's game? I would say Georgia Tech 28, Syracuse 24. Okay. All right. Well, great stuff, Matt. Really appreciate you coming on the program. Again, Matt Winklejohn from Sting Daily at RamblinRec.com. Matt, thanks so much. Take care. Thank you, Wes. You take care as well. Again, great stuff from Matt Winklejohn. A pleasure to have him on. It, he's been covering Georgia Tech athletics forever, and you can really tell by the stuff that he said. So I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online senior columnist, Jim Steck-Schulte. Jim, what's going on? Not much. What's, how are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, obviously here to talk about that great 24-10 upset win over NC State on Saturday. How about that running game? Jerome Smith, Prince Tyson Gully, even Terrell Hunt getting into the action. Yeah, it was pretty impressive to see uh, the Orange top 300 yards on the ground for the second straight game. Uh, obviously, a little bit came at the expense of the pass game, but uh, the team simply just won the battle in the trenches. Uh, they also started feeding Jerome Smith the ball like they have all, they, like they should have been all season. Uh, he almost got 20 carries for the second straight week, and the results are clearly there. Uh, Prince Tyson Gully, he should uh, hopefully be getting some film study in and seeing what he did right, which was just taking what was given to him instead of uh, doing what he did wrong, which is... Sometimes he falls into a plan of trying to hit the home run play and hesitate and looks for the big play to develop when he should just take what's there. 
Um, Hunt, uh, he's still he's he's getting yards, whether it's on a designed draw play or uh, or a scramble. Um, and I'm and to, to be frank, I'm wondering if they've kind of designed uh, the pass game to where they started calling pass plays that actually uh, are with deeper routes to actually draw the defensive backfield back away from the line to actually open up uh, potential running lanes for Hunt if he uh, if he's forced to scramble and can't really get rid of the ball. Well, that's actually a thing that I wanted to talk to you about because Terrell Hunt obviously had a fabulous game on the rushing attack, but he's, his passing attack is really concerning me. Only 74 yards through two straight interceptions in that second quarter, and they were able to reel him back a little bit and start to basically base their offense on the run game. But it was a little bit surprising to see him struggle so much through the air. I know that they're not Tulane, they're not Wagner, but you, you figure he can at least break 100 yards against a team like NC State. Yeah, the, the passing game as a whole has uh, has been a real problem for the Orange, and uh, in, in evidence in the last two weeks. It, you know, it, it put up some good numbers in, um, you know, shifted heavily to the pass in the Northwestern game because they were trying to make up a deficit. Right. It looked great against Wagner because they got to do whatever they wanted against Wagner, <laughs> and still looked pretty good against Tulane. You know, for the same reason. But uh, the last two weeks, it's just been, frankly, terrible. I mean, yeah. I think 74 yards passing in each of the last two games. Um, I, I look at it this way. The, the, the one stat that's telling to me is passing uh, yards per attempt. Uh, right now, Syracuse ranks 99th in the nation at 6.2 yards per attempt. Seven is about – that's about the baseline of where you want to be. And if you exclude the Wagner game, it's 5.3 yards per attempt, it, which would be one of the five worst in the country. I'm not really sure where the problem is. I don't want to bl- lay the blame all on Hunt because I don't see him missing wide receivers who are open all the time. But at the same time, he's taking off because wide receivers aren't getting open. Uh, you know, at the, you know, he's got problems too. Uh, the second interception he threw in the NC State game, the one where he uh, was intending to pass to Christopher Clark, Clark was open, had a step and a half on his man. Uh, the hunt threw the ball behind him. Clark had to slow down and reach behind him, and the NC State DB just cut in front of it and picked it off. So um, it's kind of a snake eating its tail. We don't really know <laughs> where the beginning and where the end are to the uh, the Orange pass game problems. But let's take a step back now from that individual game and look at the big picture as Syracuse makes its march toward a bowl game. Uh, they have three wins now. They need three more. So you need to take FSU out. I don't think Syracuse has a chance against them. I don't think anyone does. But you still have a game against Georgia Tech, Pitt, BC, Maryland, Wake Forest. You've got to figure that out of these five winnable games, they can get three wins, get to that bowl eligibility, make a bowl game for the second year in a row, which would be in the last three or four. Huge step for this program if they can get that. I agree completely. Uh, welcome to the middle of the ACC. Uh, <laughs> first of all, I, I, want, I do want to start by saying, uh, by taking the words out of my mouth and then just discarding the FSU game when talking about the remainder of the schedule. Um, the one big thing I noticed, well, these, there are six teams in the ACC who either have, who don't fit into the have not lost an ACC game or have not won an ACC game. They are Syracuse and the five non-Florida State teams remaining on the schedule. It's just it's So literally, it's, it is welcome to the middle of the ACC. Um, I do think that the, the potential for winning, for getting to a bowl game is, is there for Syracuse, for sure. Uh, the one thing that I was looking at yesterday that makes me feel good about it is uh, the rushing defense stats uh, as far as the national ranking for these teams that are in the middle in the ACC. There's a couple teams that are not as good – uh, on rush in rush D that and obviously that feeds into what Syracuse's offense is is capable of. Uh, Georgia Tech is 30th in rush yards per game allowed, but 68th in yards per attempt. Uh, Wake is is you know 
below the national average in both categories, and Pitt is well, they're barely out of the, you know, they're barely in in the in the double digits. They're you know 94th in rushing yards allowed and 85th in rushing yards per attempt allowed. So, those are the games that are those three are you know Georgia Tech, Wake, and BC are probably the ones where, you know, it it at least the Orange have on paper a beneficial matchup in that their running game, which just like last year when when Syracuse made its run to a bowl game, you know they clicked because the run game took off, and so. It's setting up that way as well. Um, we'll see if SU uh, has the ability to just uh, reach the top of that middle in the ACC. So the, one of the teams you mentioned, Georgia Tech, they're playing them this Saturday. Jim, your prediction for this game? Uh, my, my prediction, it's going to be close. Both teams run the ball a lot. Uh, both teams do a pretty good job defending it. Uh, both, both teams are in the top 25 in the nation in yards per game and yards per attempt when running the ball. Syracuse falls in that category on defense as well. Uh, Georgia Tech is 30th in rushing yards allowed, but like I said, 68th in yards given up per attempt. So that's one thing that does lean SU's way. Uh, I think Syracuse is going to have to play similar to what they did in the NC State game. They need to be uh, – the, the big guys on both sides of the line need to be hyped up and ready to go again. That offensive line clearing the way for Smith and Gully and the defense shutting down Georgia's uh, option running attack. Um, the one other thing that's a big factor for Georgia Tech, this is a must-win game for them. They're also 3-3, three and three, but they've dropped their last three and they have two FCS teams on their schedule, so they have to get to 7-5 and five, uh, to get a bowl. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep digging in the football analysis cliche bag here and say that turnovers and special teams are probably going to have a big effect on the outcome. Neither team is particularly good in either of those. Both teams are minus one in turnover ratio on the year. And, you know, when looking at both, how both teams have performed this year, the best thing I could say about either team's game in special teams was they both seem to have solid punting. <laughs> so... Like I said, it's going to be a one-score game. I wouldn't be surprised to see if it's uh, you know a field goal or less. And in a situation like that, well, Ryan Norton probably shouldn't uh, give SU fans too much hope. But hopefully, uh, they can come out on top. Uh, you know, but like I said, it's it's you know essentially a pick 'em. I saw that the point spread has Georgia Tech being a fairly significant favorite. I just don't see that being the case. Um, so what's your what's your what's your can point? I pick a tie? Yeah, pick no no pick pick a point total. Here we go. Pick a score. Uh, uh, you know what? Uh, before the season, I said Syracuse would go seven and five, so I think this is going to be this is going to have to be one of those games uh, that they have to win. So for consistency's sake, uh, let's go with uh, twenty to seventeen Syracuse. Why not twenty to seventeen? I actually have twenty four to twenty one, so we're in the same ballpark. Jim, <laughs> we're right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts? Uh, with basketball season on the horizon, it's time for one of my favorite things of every year. That's uh, people double people. Uh, you know going against what Jim Beheim decides to do. And I'm sure the two easy things that look like it's going to happen this year are Jeremy Grant likely coming off the bench for the Orange and Tyler Ennis, the freshman point guard. Uh, we've seen this happen. Both these things happen before, and Beheim tends to know what he's doing. Uh, you know, Rakeem Christmas starting last year in, or even the year before and getting yanked immediately and being replaced by C.J. Fair two years ago who would play very well for very, very long stretches. And then also Beheim has a pretty good, uh, pretty good history of playing freshmen who are capable, you know, even at the point guard position. Pearl Washington, Jerry McNamara, Johnny Flynn, Brandon Trish. No reason why we shouldn't trust him when it comes to Tyler Ennis. Good stuff. Basketball season right around the corner, and that's going to be our podcast. We're going to be dealing with that more in the future. Uh, my closing thoughts, we're going to stick with basketball because Ace Hood was supposed to be part of Orange Madness. We received this press release from uh, Pete Moore yesterday. After a review of the overall program, we share concerns about the appropriateness of the act. 
Although he's popular with many, we respectfully have decided not to include this performance in Orange Madness festivities. I understand you want to promote family values. I'm not saying anything against that. But there was a screening process that went through this. I'm not sure why he was booked in the first place. That's the part that doesn't make sense to me. So that's my closing thought. That's it for us for Jim Stick Schulte. This is Wes Chang reminding you that fishing relaxes me. It's like yoga, except I get to kill something. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time.